if you've got an inferior machine saw that creates harmonics, vibration, you'll never get a reliable process. You can go and buy the best work holding, the best cutting tools. If you haven't got a stable machine tool, you may as well go and buy a cheap vice and a cheap tool because you won't get the benefits of either. Welcome to this week's MTD podcast. In this podcast, we will be discussing what makes the perfect machine tool. I'm Giovanni Albanese, hosting today's show, a passionate engineer and a very proud member of the MTD team. Today, I have the privilege to be joined by two special guests. Firstly, Kazra Maraki, a machine tool creator. Kazra started his career as a machine tool designer, then moved into uh, machine tool R&D. His expertise is in mechanical systems and fifth axis machines with a number of inventions in the field in which we'll find out more during the podcast. Welcome, Kazra. Hi, Gio. Great to have you, Kazra. Thanks. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. Today, we're also joined and have the privilege to welcome the Swarf guru himself, Mr. Joe Reynolds, Director of MTDCNC with over 25 years experience in the manufacturing industry. Joe's speciality is cutting tools. He had his own cutting tool business before starting and joining MTDCNC. And Joe's regarded by many as an entrepreneur within the industry. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Good to be on, mate. Welcome, guys. It's, it's a privilege to have you guys on board. Uh, we're producing this podcast slightly differently under the current environment which we're in at the minute. Um, so we're all um, doing this podcast from remote locations. So apologies for any uh, imperatives within the, with the audio, uh, but this is going to be an absolutely fantastic podcast, one that I've been really excited um, about. Um, so Kazra, let's start with you first, please. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, why you got into engineering, how you got into engineering, and 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 what you actually do now, please? Well, actually, I started uh, as an apprentice in electronics in a small company, but uh, we had a mechanical shop there. So uh, somehow I got dragged into the, the shop floor and uh, worked about a year in there. And then I started my own company. And uh, with, uh, we had uh, a few 3D scanners and CMM machines back then, and we gave services for metrologies. And uh, later on, uh, we, we started designing CNC routers, uh, especially for woodworking. And uh, then maybe after six or seven years uh, of producing different kinds of uh, four axis, five axis CNC routers, we started uh, a division special, especially for uh, metal cutting machines. And... Uh, here now I am, and I'm uh, actually working as a as a consultant for different companies uh, when they want to purchase a new machine tool or whether they want to improve their uh, production system or automation, installing uh, new automation equipments, and uh, also I give a consultant uh, and. Uh, uh, help uh, machine tool companies to improve their new uh, products. That's brilliant, Kazra. And we'll be touching on a lot of the features which you believe uh, makes the perfect machine tool uh, during this podcast. Now, Joe, um, can you 
give our audience um, a little bit of a background about your experience within the industry, mm. please? Yeah, just, just briefly. Uh, yeah, manufacturing is all I've done, really, but uh, development of products, uh, predominantly cutting tools, um, done a lot of uh, machining, CNC and manual, a lot of grinding, again, CNC and manual. Um, I've done some injection molding and rotation molding, um, doing like process development and reducing tack, well, tack times and reducing, uh, increasing throughput, reducing times. And yeah, for, you know, working with companies, Rolls Royce, JCB, Ford Motor Company. And yeah, I've been in manufacturing all my life. It's about, uh, well, 25 years now, would you believe? I know I don't look that old, but yeah, 25 <laughs> years experience. Uh, no, Joe, thank you. And and, and uh, there's such a strong relationship between machine tools and cutting tools and the evolution of both of them. They need to be evolving at the same rate. So we'll touch upon that a little bit later on in this podcast. Now, machine tools are referred by some as mother machines. So everything that gets made effectively needs to be made um, from a, a machine tool one way or the other. Um, designing a machine tool, Kasra, I read your brilliant article within the MTDCNC uh, magazine. Now, you were discussing mineral castings. Um, can you explain the benefits of them, please? Of course. Uh, were there are uh, enormous advantages of using this new type of uh, production machine beds. Um, although there are uh, also different types of mineral casting, uh, such as... Uh, artificial or natural granite or uh, different types of mineral compounds. But uh, uh, the main point is that uh, this new type of production uh, machine tool bed uh, improves a lot in the terms of rigidity and uh, vibration damping, which can cause to uh, uh, high precision machining and uh, keep the quality of uh, each and every piece that is produced uh, by the machine uh, same over time and uh, it has also a lot of advantages such as uh, uh, low thermal conductivity which can also help the quality of pieces that are produced within the machine envelope uh, over time. Now, uh, with starting with uh, vibration dampening, this is this is, in my opinion, one of the key features, and and I suppose that goes hand in hand with the cutting tools, Joe. In regards to, it would also extend the the, the life of the the cutting tools. You know, if you've got the, the the perfect foundation of machine tool, you know, solid construction, vibration dampening, and then obviously that would give you uh, greater tool life longevity, and um, that accompanied with the work holding obviously joe what kind of issues does vibration give you with cutting tools joe I'll go one stage further you know it, it obviously the base of the machine it, it sounds obvious but that's where the machine and process takes part if you've got uh, an inferior machine tool that creates harmonics vibration to be honest you'll never get a reliable process you can go and buy the best work holding the best cutting tools if you haven't got a stable machine tool all of that's kind of irrelevant you may as well go and buy a uh, a cheap vice and a cheap tool because you won't get the benefits of either so it's basically the machine and start process in my opinion starts with literally 101 you know the base of the machine tool let's get a, a nice firm <clears throat> you know construction of, 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 a, of a bed and there's there's several different variants of those and yeah and obviously the machining process comes from them but to answer your question directly vibrations a tool life killer um, you won't get a good stable finish you won't get repeatability potentially 
your tool life will almost certainly be reduced as will throughput through the machine tool. Nice. Uh, it's a good point. And I think it works the other way as well um, through experience. I've had in the past, some people will buy the best machine tool, but then they'll overlook the work holding or the cutting tool holders, the cutting tools, and they'll still experience vibration because they're not holding the part securely. So I think that no element within the process needs to be um, overlooked. And, and vibration is a massive, massive part of the uh, machining process and something that all engineers should definitely um, consider. Kasra, I would I would assume that when picking a machine tool, and I know that you're a consultant for many companies, it's all dependent on the application and the components, where, which will determine what's the best machine for the job. However, you know, this is a, 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 a we haven't got the luxury of like giving you a, a component um, in this podcast. But if we generalize and, and we say that, you know, if I was a, a subcontract shop, um, and I wasn't sure what work was going to be coming through the door from one day to the next. But I knew that I had to invest in a fifth axis machine tool to stay competitive and to win more work. What advice would you give me? Well, for companies that uh, are working as a job shop, uh, I n normally recommend that they go uh, with a mid-range uh, envelope size machine. Uh, and... Uh, it depends, of course, on their budget. Uh, so if they're looking for a low budget, uh, then we can scratch out uh, many brands. And uh, also for mid-level mid, uh, mid budget, uh, we have also uh, some, some machine tool vendors. Uh, but it, it all depends on the, the budget level. And uh, for, for each budget level, you can find uh, at least a few good companies that uh, they can... Uh, support you and also uh, provide you good machines and good services. So it all depends on the budget and the work envelope size. Now, Joe and myself recently did a podcast on, on inventions and innovations. Um, Joe, what do you think about this? It's a difficult question to answer, isn't it? It's a difficult question to answer. You know, do you, if, if you're a, a startup or a smaller SME, do you go and look for what, what we would class as mid mid-range to premium machine tools where maybe you can only afford one or is there an argument to buy a, a lesser machine tool i don't mean lesser but a, a, a more cost-effective solution whereas maybe you'll, you'll get five years good production rather than 10 or 15 but it might it might bring that purchase indecision forward three four five years so it, it is a difficult i know in, in europe they think of it a bit differently but i know here in the uk very high percentage of machine tool sales are what would be classed as a, a commodity machine, a machine that isn't going to last the same period of time potentially as some of the more premium brands. And it, it, it's such a difficult question to answer. Yeah, that's a good point, Joe. I mean, um, in, in your uh, article, Kasra, you mentioned that mineral castings also offer longevity of machine tool. You see the, a, a reduction in, in, in wear. Um, is that correct, Kasra? Exactly, yeah. Uh, well, Actually, the the machine beds are uh, uh, how can I say wear out over time uh, by con by uh, being in contact with media, all different kinds of media like coolant, like chips and oils, cutting oils. So uh, it's actually depends on uh, on the the material that this uh, machine bed is uh, made of, and also 
for example, the coatings, the the paint that they put put on the the uh, casting parts and uh, mineral casting compounds, uh, potentially they have higher media resistance than uh, normal uh, cast iron or stainless steel or steel welded parts and uh, machine structures. So over time, uh, it will save you a lot of money and also keep the machine in a good uh, condition after, for example, a period of five or ten years. That's a, that's, that brings you on to a different point, really, in regards to, you know, there's an argument to say that really you should be changing your machine tool every five years to keep up with the latest technology. Um, what would you say to that, Kasra? Well, actually, uh, I cannot say that's uh, for five years because, you know, in, in our industry, there are a lot of things going on, but uh, normally you cannot see many big changes in every five years, maybe in a decade or 15 years, uh, maybe some some big changes and big benefits. But if you look at the even the electrical components like uh, CNC controllers or servo drives, they don't... Uh, improve that fast at this moment so maybe uh, some new features every a couple of years so i say a good uh, a good life and lifespan of a machine tool if it is a good machine well designed uh, should be between 10 to 12 years something like that that's a good point now in regards to uh, the mineral casting you also make a point in regards to the designers, it's really uh, opened, you know, opened the box really in regards to how they can design the casting in, re- in regards to the holes for the hosing, etc. Um, and it can reduce uh, the reduction, uh, that can reduce the cost for production of these machines. Does that mean that the machines are actually cheaper as well? Well, at the moment, unfortunately not, because <laughs> yeah, the whole technology is new. And uh, I mean, it's not new, but it's not being used uh, much often. So uh, makes it a bit uh, luxury type thing. But uh, at the moment, it costs more. Uh, but there are a lot of benefits. If you look at, uh, look at it um, totally, it can uh, be very... Um, how can I say comparable and in competition with uh, with uh, the traditional uh, types of machine bed manufacturing? So for designers, it's actually really fun because uh, you can implement a lot of things and you, you can avoid uh, postcast machining, and uh, it's actually a better option for designers. Now, Joe, you um, staying on the theme of fifth-axis fifth machines for the moment. Um, you, you, you've been looking at a lot of fifth-axis machines, Joe, with an horizontal spindle. Um, what, what do you think of that particular design, Joe? Before we get onto Kazra, um, I, I think it's an an, an undersold, an undersold um, configuration. Really, you've got all the obvious obvious advantages. You know, the big one, of course, is the small for removal. Um, certain machine brands where the component, believe it or not, is actually literally upside down. There's no better physical conditions for the machining process. But even if it's in a horizontal plane, you know, on the tombstone, you're still getting better machining conditions than a vertical machining center or a, a, a five-axis, you know, VMC style machine. Obviously, there's payoffs for both, but I think there should be more five-axis horizontal machines in the market, and I think that's probably something we will see 
we will see going forward. You know, the post processors are very clever now with the cam systems. There's no issue, there's no issues there at all now. So yeah, no, for me, they're, they're they're undersold. I see more pros than cons, Joe. Uh, myself as well. What do you think of this, Kasra? Uh, actually, I'm completely agreeing with Joe because uh, if you look at the, the mass production companies, they all go for the horizontal types because the rigidity and uh, the the capabilities that you can, for example, put on a tombstone and different kinds of fixturing and also swarf management, uh, it's, uh, it's over time it will uh, save you a lot of money. For example, if you look at grub machines, you can even work on the, uh, the workpiece upside down. So uh, you can imagine that how easily the coolant and swarf management uh, is possible. So I guess, uh, and, and because of the higher rigidity that the, horizontal machines offer i think uh over time it's a better investment so it's a game changer effectively Kasri. you'll see a lot more machines designed in this way for faxes machines especially exactly yeah and uh, there are a lot of companies that are uh, changing their designs to horizontals and most of the mass production uh machinings i mean machines that are used for mass production and uh, they are in the horizontal designs and uh you cannot find many vertical types uh, in the multi-spindles and uh, also, uh, for example, in automotive industry where seconds matter a lot. And uh, I think that uh, these, these horizontals are the next, the next uh, generation of machines that we will see everywhere. Now, Kasra, um, you, you, you mentioned in your article, I'm sorry to keep referring to it, uh, but you, you've actually invented certain products yourself can you tell us a little bit about some of the inventions and innovations that you're responsible for well actually uh i have uh invented a couple of uh mechanical systems uh especially for portal milling machines and uh for uh some some uh some of them are actually good for uh be replaced uh uh, and as an alternative uh, for rack and pinion systems. And uh, these uh, ideas uh, that were actually been built uh, and installed over like 10 or 15 machines uh, from five or six years ago, uh, they improve a lot of uh, machine life and uh, material wear over time and uh, it will reduce downtimes. Brilliant. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, and I'd like to learn a lot, lot more about them inventions, uh, you know, in, in the future, please, Kasra. Uh, Joe and myself, Kasra, had a conversation this morning, actually, about jerk rates. Now, a lot of people don't, it's one of them, them, them subjects, a lot, some people never really understand what they are. Can you uh, explain what they are in layman terms for us, please, Kasra? Of course. Uh... Well, actually, uh, it, it, it all uh, depends on the design of the machine and uh, the uh, way of uh, the machine tool designer designed the, the whole uh, structure and also uh, how they, uh, how can I say it, uh, designed the, the whole uh, mechanical system and to avoid uh, the jerks and uh, to avoid the vibrations uh, throughout the, the machining process. 
Okay, so it's it's, it's kind of um, my, my understanding of it was Kazra. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you were doing, say, for example, an aerospace blade, um, and when you're going across a flat plane, say if you're going across that flat plane in the y-axis, if you're on a four-axis rotary table. Whilst you're just going in the Y, you're, you've got a constant feed rate. But then when you start introducing the A-axis, that feed rate needs to change as you're going around the blade. Is, 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 is that what we're referring to, acceleration and deceleration? Well, there are a lot of uh, controllers that now they can uh, actually uh, calculate the, the proper feed rate and uh, the proper uh, acceleration during the machining process and during uh, the, the cycle of machining. So uh, with, uh, with the, the new uh, innovations uh, that has happened in the CNC controllers, you can find a lot of things that are, uh, as, I, as we can say, fully automated. Uh, in terms of uh, reducing chattering and uh, reduce uh, the material and tool wear. So uh, as, as I understand, you're saying correctly, yeah? Yeah, brilliant. Now, Kasra, I'm going to put you on the spot, but firstly, I just want Joe's opinion on this. Um, we've been having a debate now on MTD CNC for, for, for a few months, um, and it always uh creates different opinions box guideways or linear uh guideways joe what's your opinion on this sorry to put you on the spot first mate oh it, it, it is a tough one i know we spoke about the advantages of linear before but like, in the uk i suppose if, if you're going for, for a, a medium a, a high range cnc machine tool i would go I, I would go for linear in, if not all axes, the vast majority of axes. But there are some good mach machine tools out there in the UK, very cost-effective solution. You can get up and running straight away and we do a good job for you over a, you know, a you know, five, six, ten-year period. Albeit, you might get a better repayment long-term buying a premium machine tool with linear linear guides. But I do still think... You know, there is an argument for a startup company or a company that isn't particularly cash rich to still buy uh, to still buy uh, box machines because there can be price advantages, and certainly in the UK. Yeah, Kasra, sorry, putting you on the spot too, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know my my opinion, I guess, uh, but uh, I think that uh, the box guideways are really outdated and. Uh, in the near future, you cannot find them uh, much often. And I think that mostly the companies that are now using the linear, uh, the, the box guideways, sorry, uh, are the ones that uh, have, you know, the machining processes and everything uh, on their, uh, their, their designing departments ready. And I don't think that in the near future we can see much uh, box guideways because, uh, after uh, some time and over time, you will see that the uh, reduction in precision of the uh, box guideways are a lot. And also it's hard to take in care of them. And uh, as I say, that uh, it's uh, a little chip and small piece of chips can stretch it for life. And uh, it also needs a lot of adjustment over time. And uh, I think that uh, their time are now... Uh, going to be over soon i mean uh 
in the near future, mm. we will have uh, for very high precision machining or very heavy machining, we will have hydrostatics. And uh, for normal uh, applications, we will have only linear guideways because now uh, with their improvements in the past decades, you can find uh, various types of linear guideways for all different kinds of applications and they offer uh, high precision and uh, long lasting life. So I guess they are the better solution to go for if you are planning to buy a new machine. Sorry, Gio. Uh, What would you say the percentage sales are linear against box within Europe or maybe even globally as as we speak today? Mm. If we put uh, hydrostatic aside, I think mm, more than 70%, 75% are linear. Mm -hmm. Okay, interesting. And, yeah, and you can find a, a combination of that. For example, there are some machines that they use XM, for example, for a normal VMC, I'm saying uh, you can find a, a machine with the X and Y axis linear and box guideways on the Z axis or vice versa, maybe on the table for uh, as they claim that it can hold uh, and carry bigger loads and heavier materials. Maybe they uh, use it on the table and linear on the Z-axis. But uh, I think that more than 75% are now linear guideways. Wow. I mean, that's a big percentage. I think that like, from my own experience, I mean, the, for me, the, the biggest change is the cutting tool strategy is, is dictated. Like we mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, the cutting tool strategies and the evolution in the cutting tools have di- di- dictated uh, linear machine tools because now it's more um, faster feeds and speeds and smaller cuts. Would would you agree with this in exactly. to a certain degree? Absolutely. Now uh, with the improvement of the strategies, now we are not going to get big bites on the materials. You know, we are just uh, removing material, uh, little material, but in higher feed rates and higher speeds. And uh, now, for example, we can see that we are engaging uh, mostly uh, all the tool length and uh, fewer, uh, how can I say, uh, step overs. And so more step downs and fewer step overs or uh, smaller step overs and with a higher speed. So all the different types of strategies that the CAM softwares are offering now, they are going to be uh, higher uh, depth of cut, but uh, less uh, uh, stepovers and higher speeds and higher feeds. So with that, uh, I think linears are a better option because we are looking at higher speed and higher feeds and also higher acceleration. So it's safe to say that you definitely pick linear over box. So um, yeah, it's not, not, not exactly sat on the fence. Is it? <laughs> no, definitely, definitely uh, linear for you, Kazra. Now, um, the, 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 the podcast, what makes the perfect machine tool? So putting aside linear and box, we know your opinion on that. If I was to buy a new machine tool, whether that be fifth axis, horizontal, a lathe, um, what would you say to me would be the main considerations for me when looking to purchase a new machine tool? What would the key points be? Well, uh, as uh, as I mentioned in my latest article in MTD, it's all about finding a balance 
between uh, financial investment and techni technical requirements. So there are hundreds of machine tool vendors all over the world, and they are offering uh, different kinds of machines. And you can find a single product, uh, mostly same, uh, and even in the smallest details, they are the same, but the price range are different. So it's all about finding a good balance between your technical requirements and uh, also the availability of the machine and also, uh, for example, the, the, the different costs that uh, it might uh, ha cause you, for example, to get the machine in your workshop if, if it is stored nearby or if you have to pre-order it. So all different kinds of aspects must be con considered. But... Uh, I would say that uh, if you have uh, you have a fixed budget, then you have to look for the, and you're looking for a, an ordinary machine for uh, uh, some machine that is uh, mostly common and can be found everywhere, then you should look for uh, the machine that is available in your area. That's my opinion for uh, most of the, uh, the conventional machines, yeah. Thanks, Kazra. Sure. Do, do you have any do you have any preference on control, Kazra? <clears throat> well, uh, for five axes, I always say Heidenine, of course. And uh, but uh, you can see, for example, in in Europe, especially, uh, you can find uh, except uh, Germany, of course, you can find Fanuc everywhere. Uh, but in Germany, it's mostly now Siemens and Heidenine, but uh, it depends on on, on, on your uh, applications. Uh, for me, for five axes, it's, yeah, it's incredible, for, isn't it? Certain parts of Germany, Siemens, and some are Fanuc. It's incredible, Germany. Hello. Hello. Hello, Joe. Yeah. Oh, so, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. sorry, you broke up there. No, I was just saying. <clears throat> in Germany, you've got big pockets of Heidenheim and Siemens users in Germany. It's very, it's that location counts, seems to count for a lot in Germany. Yeah, yeah, it, it depends actually on the location. And also, uh, for example, in Italy, you can find uh, a lot of uh, Italian brands, uh, for example, like Fidia, Text Computer, Promax, uh, D Electron. So there are a lot of controller manufacturers in in Italy, and you can find them on many machines like Ozai, which is uh, really famous actually. So, um, and also it depends on your application. For example, for milling machines, for turning machines, for plasma cutting, for laser cutting, for woodworking. So, uh, each and every of these uh, controller manufacturers are expert in some specific field. It's not like Siemens or Fanuc that you can find it uh, on most of the applications. Uh, of course, being everywhere doesn't mean that you are perfect in every application. For example, Heidenhain is only focused on 5X's milling machines mostly, so they are perfect in that. And uh, But for example, for woodworking, most of the companies go with Ozai. Or for example, for, uh, how can I say, for laser cutting, there are a lot of companies that are going with for Ozai because they are good in that field. Kasra, is it is the programming language as important as it once was many years ago? I mean, when I was on the shop floor programming components on the duckboard, programming directly into the CNC machine, 
it was imperative that you had a good control system because you wanted it to be as user-friendly as possible. However, now with some of this complex machining, it doesn't ever, a lot of the time, it doesn't ever get programmed on the, on the machine. It gets programmed offline. So is it just about now or more so the processing speed? Well, actually, uh, the CAM softwares now are uh, offering a lot of features and also very good simulations. So with the good simulation, you can uh, see basically what's going to happen in your machine. And uh, I think it's essential that you know a basic knowledge of G codes and M codes and, of course, uh, different kinds of uh, codes that you might need. Uh, but with complex machining, you cannot do it, you know, manually, but just typing some uh, some points and uh, numbers on the, the control panel and, uh, for example, want to machine an impeller or blade or something like that. So uh, I, I guess that's uh, now it's basically based on your software knowledge and software skills. Definitely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you uh, join us on this podcast, Kazra and Joe. Um, any last thoughts before we, we, we go? Um, nothing really. Just uh, it's been a pleasure being uh, here with you and uh, having this uh, amazing talk and interview. And uh, I'm absolutely a big fan of all these kinds of uh, podcasts and uh, audio contents as earlier I was talking to Will about them. And I appreciate your, your work. Thanks a lot. No, thank you. Joe, any last thoughts, my yeah, friend? No, no thanks, for, thanks for your time, Kazra. And like you said, you've kindly done a piece in the uh, March issue, the MTD magazine. That is available online. If you're one of the few that don't have a, a hard copy, uh, go to mtdcnc.com and you'll find it on the navigation to, uh, to the magazine. Can't, can't miss it. No, thank you very much, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure having you both on, on board. Um, if you've got any questions about this podcast, don't hesitate to contact MTDCNC. You can also find Kazra on link, LinkedIn. He's, he's, he's very active on LinkedIn, and I'm sure he'll be able to help you with any questions that you may have or any solutions that you're looking to solve. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this podcast from MTDCNC. Make sure to subscribe, comment. Um, and uh, tune in on your iPhones so you don't miss any future episodes. Everyone stay safe. And until next week, the MTD Podcast. Thanks for listening to the MTD Podcast. If you found value in this episode, please subscribe and leave a rating and review. Find more episodes on mtdcnc.com.